The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now it's time to talk gardening, and Porik Horkin, he of the Horkin Garden Centre family, joins us on the line. Porik, good morning. A very good morning to you, Pat. Interesting comment I got. We were talking about hedgerows being kept in place and then other people said the councils are not uh, cutting back where they should. Uh, This uh, text from Katie. I agree with your texter who said that local authorities are hiding behind biodiversity and letting weeds and grassed areas go grow wild. I've never seen so many weeds along footpaths in Milltown in Dublin and our green area now has long grass and kids can't play football and people can't sit on the grass beside the river like they used to. South Dublin Council... Council should be ashamed of how they're letting the green areas become unfit for community use. So, Porik, biodiversity versus humankind. Well, Pat, funny enough, I was actually out and about myself this morning and I was admiring the beautiful haws, the red berries on the white thorn at the moment. And, you know, I was thinking about our garden songbirds and the feast they're going to have over the next couple of weeks, simply from what the Whitethorn are going to offer and simply because the councils haven't been cutting back the Whitethorn during the summer period. And, you know, we do ask people to not cut plants back from March to September because it is that nesting season. Um, And yes, with biodiversity, you're going to have a little bit of untidiness because, you know, wildflowers are producing their seed at the moment. And any time from now on, they can certainly be tidied back. But to get biodiversity in your own garden patch, you don't have to let it grow wild. I mean, there are lots of really good flowering plants. Sure. Another beautiful plant in my garden at the moment is a plant called Rudbeckia. And the bees are absolutely covering it at the moment. But it's a very pretty plant and, and uh, you know, very compact. So, you know, you can get biodiversity into your garden and still keep it neat and tidy. You see, the, the thing about the very definition of gardening is that you're putting manners on things. Isn't that so? Well, not necessarily. I mean, you know... No, I mean, you don't let everything grow where it wants no. to grow. Should the place would be overrun with all sorts of things that <laughs> drop in on the wind. Absolutely. I mean, you can keep it neat and tidy, but you also can increase the level of biodiversity. So, for example, I don't touch my, touch my hedges until September. So it's at this time of year, I'm cutting them back and tidying them up, but I leave them alone right through the, the nesting period. So, you know, you certainly can keep your garden tidy, but at the same time, you could do lots for biodiversity as well. Mm. Now, you have uh, three main things that should be done at this time of year, uh, planting fruit trees and berries, cuttings from plants. A lot of people don't even know how to do that. And then your your lawn that might be a bit uh, burnt out and tired. Yeah, I mean, lawns got a got a scorching there in late May and early June. They have come back, but it's at this time of the year, it, in terms of sowing your lawns, the weather conditions in September, they're absolutely perfect at the moment, Pat, because we've so much moisture in the soil. Seeds are going to germinate really, really rapidly. So if you're thinking of putting in a new lawn or repairing your lawn, then the weather conditions at the moment are absolutely superb. But it's also, for established lawns, it's a good time to feed them. We feed them with an autumn feed at this time of year. It's a great time to put spring bulbs into your lawn as well, the little dwarf crocuses and snowdrops. And it's also a good time just to keep an eye out for the moss. Okay, in now, terms of take... Yeah, just a quick one has come in. My lawn is not in brilliant shape and I think it's due to the actual quality of the soil. Is there any way to fix that without the big job of digging up all the soil and starting all over again? Yes, you can You can top dress. And again, September is an excellent time to top, top dress your lawn with really good quality top soil. So if you can get some sieved 
topsoil in your local garden centre or hardware store. They often sell it in ton bags now. And uh, cut your lawn really tightly, give it a feed, and then simply put, spread the soil on top of the grass, about an inch of soil, and the grass will actually grow up into that. And over a couple of years, by doing that in the autumn, you'll actually re-establish the soil base and your lawn will respond very, very well. Generally speaking, Pat, Pat, lawns need about six inches of topsoil to do really well. So lawns are happy with that level of topsoil. Speaking about cuttings, again, if you've got some of your favourite plants, September is the time to take cuttings of hydrangeas and fuchsias, of hedging plants, even of fruiting plants like blackcurrants and gooseberries. They can be taken from cuttings at this time of year. And many of our, you know, our geraniums and fuchsias that we have in our hanging baskets and window boxes, they propagate so easily. My rule of thumb is pencil length and pencil thickness strip off the leaves, dip them in some rooting gel and they root within about a six or eight week period. So it's a great way to propagate new plants. And you spoke about fruiting plants. We're harvesting lots of our fruit at the moment. But again, the soil conditions are really, really good for planting rhubarb. All our berries are black, white and red berries, raspberries, of course, but also top fruit like apples, pears and plums. So if you're admiring fruit in other people's garden at the moment, it's been a great season for fruiting. This is the time to actually start planting fruit trees. And if you've got a small garden, I recommend the Irish grown cornet apple tree, which is a little dwarf apple tree. You can get a family tree with two different varieties on the one tree. So you only need to plant one apple tree called the family apple tree. It's the cornet family, and it'll give you two different varieties of eating apples from the one tree. So it's a great time, and the weather conditions are just so good, Pat, now we've for got gardening. S- some related questions. What's the latest month to plant spuds in a polytunnel? That's from Willie. And then there's another one about uh, a new polytunnel. I haven't assembled it yet. If I assemble it now, will I be able to plant anything this side of winter? Or should I wait until spring to assemble and plant? And another related one, what veggies could I grow in my little greenhouse for the winter months? Okay, great question. Well, first of all, get the tunnel up. The weather conditions are perfect for getting the plastic stretched on it with the warm temperatures. And there's lots that can be planted at this time of year. So I'm thinking straight away, Pat, of things like garlic, Japanese onion sets, shallots can be planted now, leeks, spinach, uh, purple sprouting broccoli. It does grow a little bit tall, but it's fantastic in tunnels if you've got the space for it. All the winter cabbages. I told you about a variety last week called Pixie, which produces lovely small heads, ideal for greenhouses, tunnels, or planting out into the garden soil. Think about herbs for Christmas. So what are the traditional herbs you like? Christmas parsley, for example, sage, thyme. They can all be put in the tunnel and they'll give you lots of cropping right through the Christmas and spring of next year. You can also use your tunnel for the propagation of plants, like I said already, from t- for taking cuttings, but also for sowing seed because the temperatures through autumn are ideal for sowing annual seeds like cornflower, English marigolds and so on. And many of the, the um, you know, the hardy annuals can be sown from seed. So use the greenhouse right through the winter period, potting up bulbs for planting out in the spring of next year. So use the tunnel and it's great space in the winter to escape to, I always think. And, you know, I disappear in my tunnel over the winter period because it's lovely and dry and you can work away all winter long. So it's a my advice is get the tunnel up now and make uses. And there's lots of vegetable and herb plants available in your local garden centre. The flowers on my gladiolas are withering away. How should I prune them so that they flower again next year? 
Yeah, and, and for many plants that are beginning to finish flower, you know, because September is the time when plants are producing seed. So as your gladioli start to go over, simply cut the flower stem off, leave the foliage to die back naturally because that will swell the bulb, bulb up. And I would give it a couple of liquid feeds as well, even though you're removing the flowers by adding some liquid feed now and maybe in a fortnight's time, you'll help to swell up the bulbs for next year. So it's a simple matter of removing the old flowers of the gladioli. Now, this one, um, can you ask, Boric, what's the best approach to hopefully uh, treat dr- dead scotch grass in an allotment which I have covered for 15 months to block out the light? I've heard from seasoned gardeners that the soil is putrid from the dead scotch grass. From reading, I believe, the scotch grass after treatment emits a phototoxin which is poisonous. Therefore, best not to plant into ground for at least three months but not enough research has been done. Should I add seaweed at this stage or am I nourishing my rhizomes or rhizomes that may still be there? No, I mean, if, if the listeners cover, they've obviously covered the area physically with black polythene, and that's a great organic way of eliminating weeds in a patch that you intend to plant with vegetables or ornamental plants. So the listener has done perfectly uh, the, the right steps in, in eradicating the scotch grass. The rhizomes should be dead at this stage as well. Incorporating organic matter like seaweed, well-rotted seaweed, because seaweed has salt in it, so make sure that it has been exposed to the, the rain for at least six to eight months. You could use organic matter form of manure, mushroom compost to dig into the soil as well and start planting uh, up the area straight away. So incorporate the organic matter. The other way you can do it in terms of a no-dig system is cover the area now with cardboard. So simply put cardboard down onto the soil and then add compost on top of the uh, cardboard and start planting in. And remember, many vegetables, Pat, will grow in six to eight inches of soil depth. So you don't need a great soil depth for many of our, all the autumn and winter lettuces, the cabbage I mentioned, and many plants will, talk, you know, will, will grow in quite a shallow area. Now, I'm growing kale and Brussels sprouts. They're doing very well. Right. But in the last Brilliant. few days, they're covered in caterpillars with little ah. black eggs. Would Porik have any ideas on the best way to deal with them without chemicals? That's yeah, important. and look at uh, Patricia, the, the the caterpillars are enjoying the good weather as well. So we're seeing lots of caterpillars appearing over the last three to four weeks on any of the brassicas. And um, you can get the nematodes. I spoke about the nematodes last week, Pat, for the gnatfly. Uh, you can also get nematodes for caterpillars, which again are organic. They're safe to use. They're parasitic. So once you apply them onto your veg, they'll hunt out the caterpillar, kill it off and leave the plants totally edible. So look for those. I have them in the garden centre. If the listener wants to contact me, but you may be able to get them in your local garden centre. And a final one from Siobhan. How can I stop the Virginia creeper completely overtaking the Solanum jasminoides on my garden fence? Well, look, Virginia creeper. So Solanum jasminoides is a beautiful climber. I highly recommend it. There's actually a lovely variety called Glasnevin, which produces blue flowers. Virginia creeper, you need to cut it back. It's it's producing beautiful colour at the moment. So I would leave it alone, leave it till about the end of October and then physically cut the Virginia creeper back. And next year, try to divert the Virginia creeper away from the Solanum because they will compete and the Virginia creeper is just more vigorous. Now, you can actually dig it up in November if you want and transplant it somewhere else. Virginia creeper transplants very easily. Porter Corkin, thank you very much for joining us. And that's all we have time for. A reminder that our items from today are uploaded as podcasts, which you can listen to on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Just search for the Pat Kenny Show. My- 
The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.